It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at northstarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everybody. We got a good one for you today here on this Sunday night as we look to recap UFC 251 Usman versus Masvidal, which took place on Saturday, July 11th in Abu Dhabi, UAE on Yas Island, which again, is not really an island, but that's besides the point. Uh, what a great card this was. Obviously, three title fights. Uh, that's a very rare thing for the UFC to do. Luckily, they saved that welterweight uh, title fight with Masvidal on on uh, six days. We'll get to that momentarily. Uh, but yeah, what a rarefied air for the UFC, especially to put this fight on, um, you know, Fight Island, which again, eh, not really, not really uh, an island, but. Again, what, what an accomplishment. Now, I'm sure the UFC's told you how great of an accomplishment it was if you listen to the broadcast because I, I was going to do a drinking game with how many times they'd pat themselves on the bat, on the back um, for putting on this event, but it seems like three or four times in between each fight they would let you know how impressive of an accomplishment this was, so I'm not going to rattle on too long about how impressive this was, but um, I believe this was only the sixth time. Sorry if I said that before. Uh, where they've put on three title fights. Um, the last time they did it, 245. Ooh, let's see here. The time before that, I know 214 with... Uh, actually, no, uh, 217. Was 214? Maybe, maybe that was a title shot with Cyborg. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, point being, very rarefied air for the UFC to put on three title fights. And they all delivered. And really, the card delivered from from top to bottom. Uh, it was a, a lengthier card. I think it broke some record for the longest card since uh, the one that Marcin Tibura headlined in Adirondack, I think, a few years back. Uh, but either way, I mean, even the fights that went to a decision, they were pretty uh, captivating. Uh, I don't really have anything bad to say about uh, 251. Um, obviously, we'll start from, from the main event and, and work our way down, but... You know, I'm just impressed, and, and you know, it's going to be a fun week for North Star Sports. We're going to stay active doing shows, a lot of uh, a lot of UFC this week, because I believe they have one this Wednesday and then another one on Saturday, so uh, we'll probably do the preview show tomorrow, uh, the recap show two days from now, and then a preview show for the Saturday show, um, I guess on Friday. So a whole lot of UFC stuff, maybe we'll we'll have an episode, I think we'll have a free, free segment or two on Tuesday. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a busy week for North Star Sports. And uh, really, you know, that's justified. You look at what we've done. I think we were sitting at 63.7% on our predictions coming into this event. And we absolutely nailed it. We absolutely nailed it. 11 correct picks out of the 13 fights. I'm not good with math, but that's a high percentage. So, you know, North Star really knows what they're doing when they come when it comes to picking fights. And I'm not going to be a sore loser because it was it was uh, a good event for North Star when it came to to selecting the correct fights. But uh, where was it here? Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos, who I think is a very underrated fighter, 
obviously we'll get to this fight a little bit later, but I want to hit on the MMA picking uh, early on. I thought he won that fight 29-28. I'm not going to be a sore loser. I'm not going to say, well, I thought uh, Alessio won the fight, so therefore I'm going to count it as correct. Nope. And I'm not saying that fight was a robbery, but I I humbly thought that uh, ZDS won the fight. Um, but you know that can work for you and that work that can work against you. I you know, back at two forty nine, two forty nine to two fifty, uh, you know we picked uh, Song Yedong or Yedong Song, Yedong Song. Either way, that one that one fighter, uh, we picked him uh, and he lost the fight according to the fans, but he won according to the judges. So you know, terrible judging giveth and it taketh. You know what I mean? So we just got to kind of respect it. But I will say, I did in my heart and in probably the majority of the fans' minds, I haven't gone to that uh, awesome website that lets you know what the fans think about the um, the judges. It's escaping me. It's not tapology, but um, maybe it's MMA Decisions. Is that is that the simple website? But either way, I, I think most people probably thought Salikov lost the fight. But whatever, fair enough. You know, I'm not going to die on that hill. Uh, and really... Outside of that, the only other one we got wrong was Makwan Amir Khani uh, and Danny Henry. And, I mean, like I said on the preview show, again, I'm not trying to hedge my bets here because I'll take the L I lost and that's going to go on my record. But, you know, it wasn't like I was super convinced Henry was going to win. And honestly, I probably should have gone with Makwan just because he has a higher strength of schedule. But, you know, you live and you learn. And I'm not going to complain about 11 of 3. And also... Three of three on lock of the weeks. It's almost like they're a lock of the, the week for a reason. Uh, you know, we picked all the title fights correctly. We picked Usman to beat Masvidal. We picked Volko to beat Holloway, as controversial as that might be, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, and we picked Piotr Jan uh, to beat Jose Aldo. Um, so again, you know, we're just we're just on fire when it comes to picking. You know what I mean? If if sports betting was legal in Minnesota, I would uh, I'd make a killing. But uh, I got to drive. 90 minutes to two hours down to the Iowa border, and that's uh, it's not very fun. It's not very fun to go to Iowa. It's uh, one of the worst states in the Union. Um, and I don't, I don't really have a functional vehicle most of the time, so I'm not really willing to take that trip to uh, bet money. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll get the betting bug at some point. Um, so again, we'll start with the main event here. Kamaru Usman defends his welterweight title versus the BMF Jorge Masvidal. He wins, I believe it was 50-45 on two of the scorecards and then 49-46 on the third judge's scorecard. Um, I think that's a little unfair. I think it's a little unfair to say that was 50-45. Um, I think it was pretty... I mean, I hesitate... I hesitate to say pretty clear, but I, I thought Masvidal won that first round. Um, he had a good strategy, uh, but Kamara Usman just adjusted. And uh, I saw a really interesting way to put it, you know, where Kamaru and Khabib kind of do the same thing, but Kamaru neutralizes and Khabib dominates. And I actually think that's, that's pretty fair. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say Usman dominated this fight. But it was very, it was it was competitive. But it was very clear that Usman was winning. He is very apt. He neutralized Jorge Masvidal. Um, I think he had like ten or eleven minutes of clinch time in a twenty-five minute fight, which 
It was just ridiculous. A whole lot of foot stomps. A whole lot of actually, they kind of looked pretty hard punches uh, to the to the midsection from uh, Kamaru. I thought it was a brilliant strategy, um, and he you know he held his own in the striking. I'm not gonna make it seem like he got the better of the striking necessarily. He did have some success breaking the clinch sometimes, and then and and throwing punches. I believe it was in the fourth round where he just had a great strategy. I wish he would have done more of it, but clinching him, clinching him, and then letting go, ripping a couple to the body, and then coming back. He also hit him with a pretty pretty solid uh, uh, overhand right, uh, or maybe a right hook, but uh, off the clinch. So, uh, I mean, he didn't really do a whole lot on the ground. I would have expected him to try to... I guess he did. I guess there were moments in the clinch where he tried for a takedown, but I would have thought it, you know, it would have been more ground groundwork. I, I didn't necessarily uh, see uh, clinching being the way to do it, but um, you know, fair enough to him. And and you know, like we kind of said before the uh, before the fight, you know, this is kind of a win-win for Jorge Masvidal. Um, you know, uh, he took the loss like a man. You know, there is a correct look at Ben Askren. There's a correct way to lose, and Masvidal was very gracious. Um, it does come off as a little fake because you did say you were going to break his motherfucking face, you know, and then you're shaking his hand and hugging him after the fight. And I'm not saying you have to fucking kill the person, but that seems a little insincere. Um, but but I, I get it. I mean, you guys just went through a fight. Whatever, man. Um, but he certainly lost lost the fight in a, in a graceful way. He didn't seem bitter. Uh, he really put it on himself. And I think that's a correct way to do it. And I think that's going to, you know... Maybe not necessarily get you more fans, but it's going to keep your fans. You know, nobody likes a sore loser, especially when you lost fair and square. And like you said, he said all the right things. Um, you know, yes, it was six days notice, but you shouldn't take the fight if you didn't think you were 100%. So, I mean, he's, everything he said was correct. I, I can't necessarily disagree. In his defense, um, we don't really know how much he trained for the fight because there was really only that two weeks potentially where he wasn't training where Gilbert Burns was scheduled for the fight. <clears throat> so he might have been training, you know, a month for the fight and then maybe didn't train as hard for those two weeks and then got the, the fight on six days' notice, but he had been training beforehand. And he seems like a gym rat and, and whatever. But, you know, his cardio, it was, it was there. I, I wouldn't say he gassed out. I mean, like Chael Sonnen contends, it's kind of unnatural to have people fight for 25 minutes. I wouldn't say Masvidal gassed out. I, I would just say Usman had the better gas tank. Um, when when Masvidal explained his his game plan, it, it made a lot of sense, you know, with those bursts. Because when Masvidal bursts, I mean, he could finish anybody. And I'm surprised, you know, Kamaro took a couple of heavy shots and he weathered it well and you know, this is, I don't want to only talk about Jorge Masvidal, because this was a very impressive win for Usman, um, you know, but it, it was a good a good game plan, if you don't think your gas tank's all the way there, just to have these explosions, and obviously Trevor Whitman caught on to that, and, and told that to Masvidal, I believe, in between the first and the second round, or excuse me, told it to um, to Usman. Um, but again, man, he just he just got neutralized, I think that's the best way to put it. I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot of success he was having, um, I did like I did like his kicks to the stomach, cause he can he can rip those kicks. You know, going back to the bursting, I mean, when he has these little flurry flurries, you know, a, a couple of punches and then finishing with a kick to the body and 
Uh, you know, he, if I remember correctly, he had, a, he had a good amount of kicks to Usman's legs as well. Um, but, man, I mean, Usman just kind of drained the clock on him. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say draining the clock in a, in a demeaning way as, as if he was stalling, but just, man, I, I couldn't put together a more perfect strategy. And, and again, you know, I think his fight with um, Covington really helped him, you know, w- with it being, <clears throat> excuse me, pretty much a straight-up kickboxing match, you know, for five rounds with Colby. You know, I would have thought Usman was going to shoot. Obviously, he got the early takedown, you know what I mean? But he was content, at, you know, for some parts of the fight just to stand there and trade with Masvidal, which that takes some balls. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that's necessarily the best way to go about fighting Masvidal because, you know, and I'm sure Masvidal is a good ground game, and I'm sure you know, every, everybody in the UFC has a good ground game, and everybody has, you know, whatever but there's there's levels to this you know what I mean like Corey Anderson says there's levels to this and you know I'd be a whole lot less concerned about Masvidal choking me out on the ground than I would be about him you know knocking me out on on the feet so props to props to Usman uh you know he's been mentioning that fight with GSP for some reason uh I think that would that'd be interesting I'd still favor GSP to be honest with you um and I think if GSP does come back, it'll either be at 155 or 170. Um, but I don't know. That's probably that's probably a talker for another time. Um, what's next for for Usman? Um, yeah, it's probably Gilbert Burns. And and again, you know, for Masvidal, it's a win-win because not that he did use the excuse of six days, but fans will make the I don't want to say excuse, but they will make the argument that listen, I think if Masvidal rematched. Coving, or, uh, Masvidal rematched Usman on a full camp, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe the result is exactly the same. I'm not saying it would necessarily be different, but you know what I mean? That's that's still intriguing. You know, if he had a full camp and he lost, well, all right, well, now you got to win, you know, four more fights before you fight for the title again. You know what I mean? Because we need a new angle. The new angle for the rematch is that Masvidal, you know, would, would have a full training camp. Now, obviously, he's going to have to win some fights. I don't think they're going to do an immediate rematch, obviously. But um, I would like to see him take on Covington. I know he said he's pretty opposed to taking on Covington because he got knocked out by the same guy he went uh, to a, a decision with on six days' notice. But I really think that would make sense. You you really, really could sell the shit out of that fight. Um, but again, I'm not really interested in seeing him rematch Nate Diaz. He was beating the dog shit out of Nate Diaz who's a 500 fighter, um, I, I would have, I mean, of course I'd have interest because it's Jorge Masvidal. I'll watch, I'll watch him fight a fucking street bum, but I don't really have a whole lot of interest in seeing him take on Nate Diaz. Um, honestly, I'd re- I, I would have more interest in, in watching him take on, obviously, Covington or Leon Edwards. I think that'd be, you know, if we're not going to give Edwards the next crack of the title, which, you know, by all, by all appearances, it, it's going to be Gilbert Burns. All right, well, you're not going to get the title, but here's you're fighting the BMF. You're fighting a guy who, if you win, you're obviously going to get the next title shot. I know you've won eight fights in a row in this division, and you should have it anyway. But you know, here's we're we're going to look after you for the UFC. Uh, moving on here to the co-main event, Alexander Volkanovsky uh, defends his featherweight belt versus Max Holloway by split decision. Uh, I believe it was it was 48-47 on two cards and then 48-47 the other way for, for Holloway. Um, 
this made fans a lot of a lot of mad. This made fans really mad. Um, and I don't really know why. It was a close fight. I could see the argument for you thinking that Holloway won the fight. I'm not necessarily going to die on, on this hill. But anybody who's saying it's a robbery is a fucking baby. I mean, you're just a baby. You're a crybaby. Cry me a river. Uh, or, uh, I always say it, but man, a robbery is Nunez Shevchenko 2. A robbery is Whitaker Romero 1. You know what I mean? Those are robberies. You you cheapen you cheapen the word robbery when you say Holloway and Volko two was a robbery. It's not. It's just a it's a decision that is tightly contested that you happen to disagree with. That's all it is. You can, I'm not saying you shouldn't think that Holloway won the fight, but I'm just saying you're a fucking crybaby if you think it's a robbery. It it absolutely was not. Um, I did have Volko winning that fight. I thought Holloway won the first two rounds, and I thought. Volko won the last three rounds. Now, to me, the fight comes down. This is eerily similar to the John Jones and, and Dominic Reyes fight. Uh, except, I guess, I guess I'm on the. Uh, actually, no. I thought John Jones won that fight. So I guess in both of them, I thought the champion came on during the last three rounds, and uh, I think Volko did enough. The third round's probably the closest. Um, but again, I think. I think Holloway outstruck Volkanovski in that third round, but only by two punches. It was like 30 to 28 or something. Um, and obviously the judges don't have that knowledge. Neither did I until they showed it in the fourth round. Um, but I, I just thought he did more. I know the takedowns didn't do a whole lot. You know what I mean? But he still took him down. Um, he still he still kind of threw him. Again, I'm not saying he won because of the takedowns. I'm just saying that's a that's a a part of the puzzle. I, I straight up think he outstruck him rounds three, four, and five with the more significant punches. Obviously, volume, you know, I, I think he outvolumed him uh, st- uh, stats-wise four and five, and, and three, it was a very, very slight edge to Holloway. Um, but I, I think he did enough. Again, you know, he Holloway was pretty good with counter leg kicks, but I still think Volko was dominating him in, in the leg kick category. And yeah, Max Holloway had him hurt. What is it? He dropped him in round one and dropped him in down two, round two. But they they weren't dominant enough for a 10-8. So yeah, you could say, well, Holloway was the only one who who dropped somebody in that fight. Okay, that but that that's just specific to that round. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean you win the fight because there's five rounds and we scored these rounds, you know, equally individually. You know what I mean? So the the every single round. Nobody dominated, but there were clear winners. Like, I'll, I'll give it to you. I think Holloway clearly won rounds one and two, but I don't think he dominated. The entire fight was competitive, just like I don't think Volkanovski dominated rounds three, four, and five, but I think he won. Um, but again, okay, you dropped him. Good for you. That This is not boxing where if you get dropped, you know, it's automatically a 10-8 because you got the, the drop and you won the round. You know, this is MMA. You got to do a, a, a little bit more for, for the 10-8, you know what I mean? So... Um, I, I don't really think it was controversial, to be honest. It's kind of just what I thought was, was the case. Uh, but Holloway did look good. He did look good. Sassy Holloway is a, is a, is a very good Holloway. You know what I mean? When he's being sassy, when he's being, uh, confident, like when he's picking his round versus Aldo, when he's picking his round versus Ortega, you know, when he's shushing John Anik for some fucking reason, I have no idea why. He's, he's really good. You know, he's, 
And I'm surprised, you know, if that really is true that he didn't do any sparring because of the shutdowns in Hawaii, you know, then that's, that's very impressive. That's very impressive. Um, it's tough to see him moving up to lightweight, but honestly, I think that's where he goes because we've seen, you know, when you drop down or, or, or go up a weight class, it's like you never lost because I, I guess it's true. You never lost in that weight class. So, you know, even though Holloway's lost three of his last four fights, which is crazy to say, and it's even crazier, I think, when we get to Aldo. I think Aldo's lost six of his last, I don't know, it's either five of his last eight or six of his last nine, which is crazy to think. And obviously, strength of schedules are very high for those two guys, so it's not like they're losing to bombs, but it's crazy to think that, that those are facts. Um, but again, I don't really know what more there is to do at, at, at featherweight. Um, Volko clearly won the first fight and, you know, the second fight was closer, but again, my contention is that he won. So I I don't see the need for an immediate rematch trilogy because Alex has won the last two fights. Um, and honestly, you know, Holloway could stick around and he could beat a lot of guys, but, but how many more wins does he have to get before he faces Volko again? Unless you're just hoping that Volko loses the title and then it's open. You know, like if if Holloway beats Ortega and the Korean Zombie and like you know what I mean. I don't know. It's just a tough sell when you've lost two times to somebody to do the uh, trilogy. I would say Holloway Holloway moves up to up moves up to lightweight and gets one or two wins. Uh, he's fighting for the title, and then we can get the the fight that never happened back when Holloway was the featherweight champ and Khabib who probably will be the champ at lightweight for many more years as long as he continues to fight you know then we can see how that fight would go and I still favor Khabib but that's that's an interesting talker and you know even if Holloway just moves up to lightweight you're not really cutting weight he probably cuts a lot of weight or you're cutting less weight obviously I think obviously he still has to cut weight to get down to lightweight but there's a lot of interesting fights in that in that top oh we'll say seven at at lightweight so I mean, there, there could be some really cool stuff on Holloway on the horizon. He's still only 28, um, and and I don't think he took a beating in this fight. So, uh, again, it'll be interesting to see what Max Holloway does in, in these next couple of fights. Moving on here to the featured bout on the main card, Piotr Jan knocks out Jose Aldo in the fifth round to win the vacant bantamweight championship. Very impressive performance by Jan outboxing, you know, arguably one of the greatest boxers to ever grace the octagon. Um, I do think Aldo's a little past his prime. I know he's he's lost some fights lately, uh, and I know that they're the good fighters. Um, but he, he, he's a little he's a little past his his prime. And again, you know, he said that the the cut down to bantamweight was actually easier than his cuts down to featherweight. But I mean, I don't know. He, I was concerned about his ability to take a shot, and I mean, fair enough, man, because he weathered the storm, you know. But he got hurt with that body shot uh, at the end of the first round, um, and then just took a absolute fucking beating, like he stole something from Jan in that fifth round. Uh, what was it, Leon Roberts? I think was the referee. Just a fucking a terrible performance by the referee. Like, uh, I, I think the strike total for the last, like, two and a half minutes of that fight was, like, 62 to 2. 
uh, or that might even be the strike total for the fifth round. Like that was sitting there and taking a fucking beating like you stole something is not intelligently defending. That fight honestly could have been stopped 70 to 80 seconds before it got stopped. Um, that makes me kind of that makes me kind of sad. Like obviously you 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 get you get what you sign up for. Like you understand if you're an MMA fighter that taking a beating is is a potential. But like come on man, like that's that's how you take years off of somebody's fighting career. You know what I mean? Like that's how you that's how you take uh, it's not even hyperbolic to say that's potentially how you take years off of somebody's life. That that fucking beating might might have taken years off of Aldo's life. It, now it might have. I'm not saying it, you know it's an 80% chance it did, but I'm just saying it's not healthy to get punched in the back of the fucking head for 70 seconds. You know when the fight's already over, he's already Aldo's never gonna tap to strikes. Aldo's a tough son of a bitch. Same with most fighters. Most fighters are not gonna tap to strikes. Most fighters, as long as the referee has not stopped the fight, will just keep fighting until they die. That's just how it is. Fighters are irrational fighters are that's why they're fighters they're crazy you know what i mean you can't expect a fighter in a cage necessarily to make a rational decision you know what i mean they're trying to win gold they're trying to feed their family and all this i'm not shitting on fighters i'm just saying they're sometimes they're too tough for their own good so aldo's clearly too tough for his own good like okay what the fuck do you want like uh, would you be happy if aldo had fucking brain hemorrhaging you know and had to get airlifted to a hospital in abu dhabi like, what are, what are we doing here? Like, do you want to see him die? Like, it, it, made, it made no sense. Uh, disgraceful performance by the referee. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't discredit Herb Dean for the Ben Askren-Robbie Lawler fight. Because that was a split-second decision. And he was a little overcautious on a very weird situation. He was overcautious because... You know, it was a, it wasn't a blood choke. It was a, a you know, a, a, a spinal choke or whatever, or you know, something that, you know, could leave you paralyzed. You know what I mean? Like, a referee's still wrong if they stop the fight early, but it's, it's so much better to stop the fight early than to stop the fight late. You know what I mean? Okay, like, oh, uh, people are gonna call you an idiot. You got, you got the wrong call. You were a little too cautious, but at least nobody got. At least nobody took a fucking beating for no reason. You know what I mean? So, like, and if it's a split-second thing, like, I'm trying to think of other examples, but, like, okay, a fighter got dropped, and it looked like he got knocked out, and you stopped the fight a little early, but it turns out the fighter was coherent. Uh, this is a little more of an extreme example, but, you know, even the Iwan Kutalaba, Magomed, and Kalayev, okay, we all know that... that uh, Kutalaba, we found out that he was doing like the drunken boxing thing, trying to, you know, goat, goad, uh, Magomed into coming in so he could knock him out. But uh, you know what I mean? Like the ref was just being cautious, but it's when, it's when a fighter just takes a beating that they didn't have to take. It's when Shevchenko, you know, just brutalizes Priscilla Cashueta. You know, it, it's when Thomas Gifford, we know Thomas Gifford was going to lose that fight. We knew, we knew he did not stand a single percentage point of a, of a chance to win that fight going into the third round and what happened what we all knew we all knew what would happen if the fight continued happened he got knocked the fuck out so I, again man like mma fans are irrational sometimes even even the fans you know what i mean like 
uh, you're, you're going to get shit on, but it's definitely your duty to look out for, for fighters' health. I don't want this entire recap here to be on, uh, you know, Leon Roberts being a shitty referee. Um, so, again, props to props to Piotr Jan. I think, honestly, at 27, that guy could be a champ for a very, very long time. Um, and I know that there's some killers and there's, you know, a lot of hype with some fighters. Um not necessarily in the top 10, who could be potential opponents for Piotr Jan in a year or two, like a Sean O'Malley. Um, but may, yeah, that guy could be a champ for a long time. I mean, it's really hard to find flaws uh, in his game. Uh, he's really good at countering off of punches uh, and, and, and kicks. And uh, I, I don't know, man. I mean, that was a competitive fight with Aldo, but again, I thought he handedly uh, won that fight and yeah, Peter Yan's going to be a problem for a long time. Uh, moving on here on the main card, Rose Nami Yunes wins a split decision over Jessica Andrade. Um, I did not really watch this fight in full honesty. I only watched the third round. I'm not a big fan of Rose Nami Yunes. I couldn't care either way about Jessica Andrade. Good for Rose probably means she gets a title shot because people seem to be fans of her for some reason. Fair enough, man. Um, moving on here, the main card opener, Amanda Hibas, making her flyweight debut, uh, over the most likely, uh, well, I guess Bellator, Bellator signee. I don't know what word I was looking for there. Um, but, uh, uh, flyweight debut versus someone who's probably making their, their UFC finale. Um, Paige Van Zant, she wins by a arm bar, which I, I guess is smart because, you know, I don't know if it was the correct arm, but obviously Van Zant's had three arm surgeries. So, uh, you know, I mean, I guess you, you got to win how you got to win. Um, not a whole lot to talk about in that fight, to be honest, because it, it was stopped pretty early in the first round. Interesting for Hebus. Um, uh, you know, I, I believe she intimated that she wants to go back down to straw weight. I mean, either way, I think she's a future champion. Whether or not she wants to stay at at strawweight or flyweight, I think the I think the road to the title at flyweight is much easier than strawweight. But becoming champion at strawweight will be much easier than becoming champion at flyweight. Because if I'm not gonna say I'd favor Amanda Hebus in uh, in a fight with Shevchenko, because that'd be pretty tough. But I do think Hebus could probably beat. Uh, Wei Li Zhang. Um, but, you know, I saw her when she was here in Minneapolis. And, you know, again, there's just certain things that you see with fighters. You know, a certain thing, even when they're facing lesser competition like Paige Van Zandt, um, there's certain things you see with fighters where you just go, and sometimes it's just the eye test, where you just go, wow, uh, this person's going to be a problem. You know what I mean? Perfect example, Pyotr Jan, when he took on Teruto Ishihara in his UFC debut. Again, Ishihara's a bum. But you, you saw Piotr Jan win that fight, and you saw what he did with his striking, and you go, okay, I understand this is very low-level competition, but there's something special about you. There is something special about Amanda Hibas. You know, she's on a five-fight winning streak, four-fight winning streak in the UFC, you know, dispatched of Emily Whitmire, beat Mackenzie Dern, who I think largely... I mean, she's very talented and very good at BJJ, but a little bit of a hype train. Um... And, and, you know, so to, to out BJJ and win a decision over 
Mackenzie Dern. I think at that point we all knew how good Mackenzie Dern was at BJJ, but obviously uh, Amanda Hebus was un, relatively unknown at that point. You know, and then to beat Randa Marcos, submit Paige Van Zant, which didn't really make sense because Van Zant was was unranked and and Hebus was ranked number fourteen. I think she's ranked number eleven in North Stars rankings. I think we have her way higher than uh, the UFC uh, rankings have her. Um, but but it's a celebrity fight, so it, it gets the name out. You know, it's on a main card of probably the biggest pay per view of the year, maybe one of the biggest pay per views of all time. Um, so it, it's not going to do a whole lot for her rankings wise, um, but it is going to do a lot publicity wise for her because a lot of people know uh, Paige Van Zant. Uh, taking a look here at the North Star Sports straw weight rankings. Yep, Amanda Hebus is number 11. Um, we'll be doing the rankings tomorrow morning, probably the same morning people are listening to this, Monday morning. Um, and I'd, I'd probably say Hebus is going to be around number 10 at flyweight. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting because, you know, it's her first flyweight fight, but you look at her body of work in, in the straw weight division, uh, that'll be an interesting quandary for North Star Sports to... Uh, try to figure it out, but props to uh, the future champion, Amanda Hebus. Uh, moving on, the uh, headliner of the very long prelims, Yuri Prohaska knocks out Volkan Uzdemir. Uh, what a performance. What a performance. I'm really high on Prohaska. I was pro- I, w- I was high on him before he made his UFC debut, and now I'm really high on him because Volkan's no punk. You know, I know he had that three-fight losing streak, but he was on a two-fight winning streak, number seven in the rankings. So Yuri is going to be number seven in the North Star rankings. I can guarantee it. Um, but man, what a performance! Um, kind of Conor McGregor esque. You know what I mean? He was kind of clowning him, a very confident guy. Um, there's stuff he has to work on, like he said in his post-fight interview. Uh, you know, he was clowning around, which I love to see. Hey, if, if he can do it, do it. I love to see people clowning people. Uh, but he was getting tagged when he was putting his hands down and, you know, doing wacky shit. He was getting hit. You know what I mean? And uh, Volkan's not the, you know, Volkan's not necessarily, you know, fucking Rumble Johnson here. But, you know, he, he did viciously knock out uh, Jimmy Manawa. And then I forget, what was it, Misha Serkinov. So Volkan does have power. He does have power. So... Yuri has a chin, um, but I, but I was I was very impressed, and then the knockout was just fucking vicious, just a brutal knockout, brutal knockout, and Volkan was out for quite some time, quite some time. Um, so th- that's how you make your UFC debut, and again, he didn't make his debut on you know Shevchenko versus Karmouche fight night, you know, full of complete bums. No, no, no this is the greatest card. I mean, well, again, the UFC will probably put on another very, very big end of the year card, but the the international fight week cards typically are the best ones uh, per the year, typically the most stacked. So the most amount of eyeballs, you know, I was watching his Twitter account just grow. I think it it grew like two thousand in the time I was watching it uh, after he knocked out Volkan. So you know, a lot of people know who this guy is now. I think he's on like a 12-fight winning streak now that he knocked out Volkan, uh, was the rising light heavyweight champion. 
And again, we have the rankings up here. Like I said, I guarantee he'll be number seven, taking the spot of Volkan. And I mean, it's possible that if he wins one more fight very convincingly, or probably at the most two more fights, he could get a title shot versus John Jones. You know what I mean? Um, I forget. I believe Tiago Santos has a fight scheduled with Glover Teixeira. Um, but, but I could be wrong. But just looking at the guys ahead of him, Anthony Smith would be interesting. You know, you got Corey Anderson out there. I think that would be interesting. That'd be a very good litmus test. Um, Jan Blahovich, maybe you could do that. Um, I don't think you... I think Reyes gets the rematch with Jones. Um, so I don't think you do it against Reyes. But if that rematch doesn't happen, maybe you put him against Reyes. Um, but just... Anyway, any way you slice it, he's going to be fighting somebody ahead of him in the rankings in his next fight, and it's going to be a very big fight, probably in a in a main event on on a on a fight night or maybe a co-main event on a fight night. Um, so the future is very bright for Prohaska, and to be honest, you know, a very mature guy. You know, it reminds me in in this sense a lot about a lot of Arasanya, where this was a guy who allegedly turned down joining the UFC a couple of years ago to get more seasoning. Same thing with Adesanya. Same thing with uh, Jimmy Manoa. Although, with I mean, I guess it worked out for Manoa. He never became champion, but, you know, he had some good fights in the UFC. But that's, that's very mature because it's very hard to pass up the opportunity of a lifetime hoping that the opportunity of a lifetime will strike again another time. You know, he could have said no to the UFC and then he loses his next three fights and he, you know, he'll never get in. But again, the UFC, it's very hard to learn on the job. Look at any young fighter that came into the UFC. Man, it's it's just really hard to learn on the job. Obviously, there are people who have done it. Obviously. Um, Poirier was somebody who learned on the job. You know, had a couple of losses early on his UFC career. Holloway, someone who learned on the job. He made his UFC debut against Poirier, when I think when he was 20. So, you know, it is possible. It's not impossible, but it's very hard. You have to be a very special fighter. So to have the maturity to to recognize that you need more seasoning and, you know, again, he wasn't he wasn't fighting nobodies in Ryzen. You know what I mean? He fought King Mo Lawal. He fought, um, I believe he fought Alexander Shlomenko. I'm not sure about that, but I know he fought Brandon Halsey and C.B. Dalloway. So, you know. Halsey was a former Bellator champion. Dalloway's been in the UFC. You know what I mean? So he's not fighting world-class opposition, but, you know, he's, he's fighting some guys with some names. So, you know, I think it really prepared him for this, and, and uh, you know, that's a very interesting fighter. I'll be very intrigued to watch his career as it progresses, at, you know, and he's only 27. Uh, moving on, Muslim Salikov defeats Alessio Zaleski de Santos by split decision. Don't have a whole lot to say here. I thought I thought uh, Zaleski dos Santos won this fight. Not gonna die on this hill. It's one of the only fights we picked incorrect. Um, fucking tough for dos Santos, man. He could have broke into the rankings, and uh, you know he had that weird loss versus John uh, Liang Li. Uh, you know, but he was on an eight-fight winning streak. He's still his UFC record's still ridiculous. It's still something like ten and three. Um, but you know, this guy can't catch a break and Salikov again, that's a tough matchup. You know, he's 30, 36. He's not a young wonder boy. You know what I mean? He's not some wonderkin and, uh, you know, just a tough guy, 
just just a tough guy who's who has solid wins in the UFC over guys who are not household names. So it's kind of a low risk or high risk, low reward fight. And and conver- I mean conversely for Salikov, I mean these are two tough, very underrated, very good fighters who have no names. Like casuals have no idea who these fighters are, you know. So they're they're not gonna spring up in the rankings because they beat each other but it says a lot to me you know whoever won this fight it says a lot to me and again obviously technically on the record muslim won but you know i I think unless you um pretty pretty clearly won that fight honestly um but but whatever fair enough uh we had makwan amir khani choking out danny henry with an anaconda choke Pretty rare choke in the UFC. I think Makwan is one of like three people to pull it off. Uh, this is the second time he's done it in the UFC. A, a very quick fight, not a whole lot to say. We picked this one wrong. Unfortunate. Uh, we also had Leonardo Santos defeat Roman Bogatov by unanimous decision. I forget what the scorecard was because it was something fucking ridiculous because <laughs> Bogatov had like four cheap shots in the fight. And got a two-point deduction. I think so. I think Santos won this fight like twenty-eight, twenty-five or something. Like something really weird. Um, again, Santos. Again, Santos is a very tough fighter that a lot of people have no idea who he is. He's forty years old. He's eighteen and three. I think you. He, he's something like he was seven zero and one in the UFC. He just never really f- fights with with too much frequency. Missed all of 17 and 18. Had a win in 19. Oh, I forget who he beat in 2019. But again, you know, a very tough guy. A very, very tough guy that nobody will ever know, unfortunately. Um, who's, who's still holding on. And, uh, you know, I, I was a little intrigued by Bogatov because he had the 10 wins over, in Russia all over the last, uh, I'd say, three and a half years. Um, I don't know. I wasn't too overly impressed with him during the fight definitely likes the cheap shot that knee was definitely illegal as fuck um and then the two nut shots and then maybe there was an eye poke in there either way it doesn't doesn't shock me that uh a guy with the name roman bogatov is you know throws some cheap shots uh reminds me of gta 4 and that's pretty much all i gotta say on that fight moving on here uh, Marcin Sabura in the only heavyweight fight of the night uh, beat Maxim Grishin. Now again, I was correct on this one. I picked this one right, and I was my my rationale was so good because the Owen in even three months ago, the Owen of of you know if this fight was on UFC 249 where we took a you know had a very bad performance picking, I would have picked Grishin because you look at Grishin. He he was like twenty two and one in his last twenty three fights, uh, or something crazy like that. Like he had just piled up all these wins, but he fought in the PFL, which is where bums fight, which is where D level competition fights. And you look at Shibura, I think he lost something like three of his last four, but they're to really good fighters. They're to UFC level fighters who have you know, not just guys who had a cup of coffee, um, you know, but guys who stayed in the UFC. And uh, I, I was correct. I went with the guy who had the higher strength of schedule, even though he lost those fights over the can crusher. 
And, I, you know, I was correct. That, that was a trap one in, in a sense because you could get very mesmerized by the, the record of Maxim Grishin. Uh, but, again, he's a can crusher, so we, we dodged that. That's a, that's a little trap one. That's a little Wiley Coyote trap door for North Star Sports to pick the guy like that. Uh, you know, we're, but, but we're using our... We're using our noggin, so we're, we're picking the fights correct. Um, another correct one here, uh, Haulian Paiva beats Zolgus Zumagulov. Good old ZZ, good old ZZ top over here from uh, Kazakhstan. Um, I have nothing to say about this fight. I barely watched it. Uh, Paiva did have a couple of nut shots, though, that looked very painful, very painful. Like, tip of the toes on the old Skrotsky. Uh, obviously, he's wearing a cup, but uh, that could not feel good. Uh, I feel bad for uh, Zalgas Sumagulov's balls. Uh, and he got the, he took the L, uh, which sucks. And Paiva missed weight, too. So, I think he missed by, like, three pounds. So, how do you like that? You get kicked in the nuts. You have to, you know, spend 75 days in quarantine and take all these tests you know, and you still lose the fight to a guy who missed weight. So, uh, yeah, t- it's very unfortunate for uh, old ZZ Top, but I'm sure we'll see him again in the flyweight division because the flyweight division is hot garbage. So uh, they will hire anybody uh, who has a pulse to fight in that division. Again, which is why we don't do rankings for flyweights. We do rankings for every division in the UFC except for women's featherweight because I think there's like four fighters on the roster and men's flyweight which is an absolute joke of a division. Uh, moving on here. Again, a couple of fights I have nothing to say about. Carol Rosa, we picked it correctly. Beat Vanessa Mello. Uh, Vanessa Mello falls to 10-8. and eight. That is not a very good record. I don't know if she has a win in the UFC. Uh, she does have very thick thighs, which is interesting. Uh, but that's, again, that's really my only takeaway, is Vanessa Mello uh, is very thick in the old leg department. Um... And then the uh, prelim opener here, Davey Grant knocks out Martin Day uh, with a left hook in the third round, midway through the third round. Very good knockout. You know, I, that, I could tell. I could tell. I don't have a whole lot to say about either of these fighters. Not going to pretend. I've heard the name Davey Grant before. Uh, he's fought on a couple of the cards Bisping's headlined. Um, don't know anything about either of these guys other than that, but that was one hell of a knockout. That was very impressive thunderous KO and that was a really good start to UFC 251 you really could tell that this was going to be a solid pay-per-view when you know two guys you've never heard of in in a lower weight class like bantamweight ah just vicious knockout like it's nothing and props to Davy Grant first ever fight on Fight Island so there's a little interesting trivia tidbit you know a couple of years down the road uh you know and he didn't just win he didn't just win by split decision. He didn't just win by having his opponent kick him in the fucking nuts 12 times. Uh, you know, he won by thunderous knockout. So props to Davey Grant. Uh, again, I, I guess we'll we'll recap here uh, or uh, wrap things up here. But, you know, Fight Island, it's going to be fun. I'm excited for the card on Wednesday. Uh, I forget who's headlining. Is that the Dan Ige, Calvin Cater? Yeah, and that's going to be a good one. That's correct. So on Wednesday, we'll have that one. That's going to be a very good main event. Not, I'm not going to say it's going to be a good card because they have two f- fucking flyweights co-main eventing that one. Um, 
I, I guess we could take a, a tiny little sneak peek here uh, before we wrap it up. And obviously, we'll have the preview show tomorrow. Um, oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, that card's not going to be super great. Uh, but again, sometimes the UFC surprises you. Sometimes, you know, fighters, just because they don't have a name doesn't mean they're not going to fight good. But holy smokes, not a lot of fighters with names on... Uh, well, a lot of fighters with names, interesting names, but not big names uh, that you would know. But that main event, I'm very high on Dan Ige, so I'm excited to see what will happen. We will preview that one tomorrow on Monday. Uh, again, Tuesday is an open slot. We'll figure out something on Tuesday, maybe something Vikings-related, maybe something Minnesota sports-related, um, maybe Washington blank-related because maybe they'll have a new team name. Uh, at, at that point. So maybe we'll talk about that. Um, Wednesday, we'll probably do the recap show. I'd have to figure out what time that uh, starts at 7 p.m. Uh, yeah, maybe Wednesday night, thir- so it'll be posted Thursday morning. Uh, you know, we'll figure it out. But there's a whole lot of fun stuff happening at uh, North Star Sports here over not just this week, but in general. Just general sh- shenanigans um, and, and skullduggery and tomfoolery. You know, and, and things like this. You know what I mean? So it, it's a great time to be a fan of the UFC. It's a great time to be a fan of North Star Sports. So, again, we'll wrap up here. You can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M-I-N. Follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely M-N. Follow the mailman on Twitter, for that matter, uh, at Owen the Mailman. Uh, follow Reagan Hooverman for shits and giggles. Why not? You know, uh, I believe at Sports Fan Hoove. Uh, bug, bug him. Tell him to get on the show. We need this guy on the show. The fans demand it. I demand it. He needs to accept his North Star Sports Hall of Fame uh, induction. God damn, the English language is is really hard late at night. Um, His induction. So he needs to accept that. Um, Pressure Drew Peterson to get back on the show. You know what I mean? Well, what is this guy doing? He comes on the show one time and then, you know, just kind of blue balls us with his great sports takes and then never comes back on. You know what I mean? So we got we to gotta get that old boy, that old CG struggle crew boy on, on the show, Drew Peterson. So, you know, again, we'll, we'll figure out guests in the future. We'll figure out guests. We'll figure out sponsors. You know what I mean? We're only, we're only growing this network. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it, it's going to be very fun. Again, our website, northstarsports.media. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.